Well, this, as most of you know, is our privilege as the body of Christ to go through this book of Revelation, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, not totally understanding everything. And that is the wonder of this book. Because we can, in the next six months or next year sometime, and you're reading through the scripture, and you come to Revelation, okay, I remember that. There was something I was wanting to look at more deeply. And this is a book that you could probably read once a month and glean something from it. It's relevant. It's real. It's even rational. Another R. I'm just trying for R's. <laughs> it makes sense. It has impact on every one of our lives. And that's not to say that the rest of the scripture doesn't have impact. But this one especially is for all of us because it's going to affect all of us. So for that reason alone, we should understand and be amazed at the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we not miss the opportunity that we have of being the people of God at the right moment. When we hear that trumpet, it's going to lift us into the presence of the Lord. And that's what we're looking for in this book, in this time that God is giving us of revealing his son, Jesus Christ. Today is chapter 16. And somebody commented the other day, wow, you're really plowing through a chapter at a time. Yes, I have an objective, and that is to go on vacation. <laughs> so I have parsed it out so that by the time Katie and I get on the plane, the end of May, we will have put to rest for this time being the book of Revelation. That doesn't mean, oh, we have it all. We know what it's all about. No. We have just begun. So let's proceed. Father, we thank you for gifting us with this revelation, this understanding. Thank you that you've given us your word, sure and solid and a hope for the future. Not like the ungodly, not like those who are ignorant and still waiting to hear the truth. But we pray that this would spur us on to be evangelists, to be reaching out to those around us who do not know you and do not know what is in their future. Give us boldness and courage and intuition and thoughtful ways in which we might speak to our relatives, our parents perhaps, to the next door neighbor, to our school friend, to those we just don't really know, but we have several hours to talk to them, sitting, waiting in a hospital for our number to be called, or waiting to get to the next station, which is an hour down the road. We have this time. Lord, you know, and your Holy Spirit is guiding us, that we be believing what we're reading and studying these days, and knowing that the people around us 
are perishing and are headed to a very unexpected end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And as we have done every week, let's read this together. This is the blessing. This is the promise that is given to us right in the very beginning of Revelation. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. The last of the seven plagues. You remember we started out with the seals. We started out with seven seals. And we went through those. And then came the trumpets. And that took us through several chapters. And now we've come to this chapter that focuses directly on the last and the worst of the plagues that God is sending upon those who are the ungodly. And they are bowls. There are two types of bowls in heaven that are mentioned. These seven bowls, which are of judgment. Does anybody remember the other bowl? The prayers of the redeemed. So bowls are very significant to God. It's a medium he uses in order to deal with the men and women, the children that he has created. And I think that it's very telling of us of which bowls that we're related to. Do we know that God hears our prayers and puts them in a bowl and holds them until the time that he is going to use those prayers and answer those prayers? Or are they judgment bowls where the judgment of God on those who resist, the arrogant, the proud, and those who blaspheme God, and he's pouring out seven of them upon the earth. And those are to bring about repentance, not to, as we said the other day, about the wrath of God. God is not an angry God in human terms. Remember we talked about wrath, the wrath of God. The wrath of God is not like man. In scripture that says, the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. God is not angry. He is wrathful because he is righteous. Because of his righteousness, his holiness, his justice, it speaks of his wrath upon those who turn their back on him or to blaspheme his name or to be indifferent to the grace and the mercy that he has given us all of our lives. And so these seven plagues we'll read about. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and it became a loathsome and malignant sore on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshiped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became blood like that of a dead man and every living thing in the sea died. 
Then the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, Righteous are you who are and who were, O Holy One, because you judged these things. For they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. Wow. You know, I discovered that phrase. I had never, in reading through Revelation many times, I had never picked up on that. Did you ever tell your little sister, you deserve a spanking? Or maybe it was your older brother. <laughs> what does that mean? They deserve it. Let's read on. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to it to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has the power over these plagues. And they did not repent so as to give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened. And they gnawed their tongues because of pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. Behold, I'm coming like a thief, the Lord says. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Harmageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there was a great earthquake such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake and so mighty. The great city was split in three parts and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found and huge hailstorms, about 100 pounds each, came down from heaven upon men, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. Oh Lord. The six bowls and the statement, they deserve it. The war of the great day of God and in the seventh bowl, it is done. Very sobering, but I think the Lord has a message for us to take home today. 
The six bowls that are poured out are this. The first bowl was on the earth, malignant. And these three successive bowls, by the way, one, two, and three, have to do with blood. And part of the definition of a malignant sore or an oozing sore is blood coming out of the sore that won't heal. And that's what was poured out in the first bowl. Sores upon the men of the earth who turned their back on the God of heaven. Number two is the bowl was poured out in the sea and the sea and the water became blood. Very similar to what we read in one of the plagues of Egypt that Moses stretched out his rod and the river Nile became blood. Then we have heaven's response. It's not men's revenge, but it's heaven's response. They deserve it. Thinking about that, we wonder, what about my grandpa? What about my sister? Yeah, she did some mean things to me, but does she really deserve to be damned to hell? Are we touched by that, by that thought? Are we just so angry of how someone has treated us so badly, we think, that we would wish something like this on them? But heaven's response say, they deserve it because they wouldn't hear the words of Jesus Christ and repent. There are people like that. And we don't, we are not the ones who judge. We're not the ones who will judge them. But God's word already judges them if they don't turn. So go to that sister, brother, grandpa, or neighbor and share with them in the name of Jesus and for what he has done for them. But if they reject, there is no other salvation, no other way for them. There isn't, there isn't another way of salvation given among men whereby they may be saved. That's the hard truth, the stark and naked truth. And we need to have that in our hearts and understanding of how that impacts the ones we love and know. Because the gospel is just the opposite. If they receive the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, you know what? They don't deserve it. And they won't receive it. That is the message that we have. And so, yes, it would be nice to be able to have a great Christian concert and just really enjoying and being together. But without the hard truth of the gospel, just to give them good music and a good feeling, that does not cut it. That does not answer the desperate need of those who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And we need to process that in our hearts and understand it. And I need to process that in my heart as well as a pastor. These are serious matters we're talking about. Yes, God is a God of mercy, but he's also a righteous God. 
And that righteousness will only be engaged as we accept the righteous Lamb of God. As we've said before, the Japanese and the Chinese have such a great example in the kanji gi with the lamb over me, over myself, my selfishness, my humanity, those dirty things that have been in my life, but with a lamb over me, the one who died for me, Jesus, the lamb of God. God looks and he sees righteousness in me, in you, as we have received Jesus Christ as our covering and acknowledged him as Savior and Lord in our life. That is the gospel. As simple as it is, you can give that to someone who you're just hanging in the train. Do you know the kanji gi? It's the lamb over you, over self. Jesus Christ is the lamb of God. Think about that. Oh, goodbye, here's my stop. How many are gonna try that this week? I dare you to. Heaven's response though is, they deserve it and they will receive it. The judgment of God is sure. And the fourth bowl was poured out upon the sun and scorched men with fire. The fifth was on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became darkened. And men gnawed their tongues in pain. And the sixth bowl was poured out on the Euphrates, dried it up and prepared the way for the final battle. What is that final battle? It has a special name, a special place, Armageddon. Our second point is the war of the great day of God. The dragon and the beast and the false prophet. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God. That is an event that will happen. We don't know when that day is, but it is a day that is predicted and it will happen. The other day I had mentioned about the unholy trinity the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. There is the Holy Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We talked about Satan, and he does not have his own original thoughts. He's copying everything. A very bad copy, but he's copying everything that God has done, even in this, and presenting a salvation if you come and join in this, you will live. That is the offer that Satan offers to the world. The dragon representing Satan himself, the beast, the world system, and the false prophet is the Antichrist. And they will be revealed 
And we will know because we have studied and looked at the book of Revelation. Behold, I am coming like a thief, Jesus says. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. What picture does that last statement make? He who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. I just mentioned what it was. What is that symbol? What is that? The righteousness of God. The lamb covering me. I believe that that's what he's talking about here. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his covering. The covering of the lamb of God over me. So that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. I'm covered. Are you covered by the lamb, the covering of the lamb of God? Is that the assurance that's in your heart? Do you understand the gospel? It's right here. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now, this is another analogy that if the Lord is coming as a thief, thieves are not good. Jesus said he would come as a thief in the night, in an hour when you do not know. And when he comes, it'll be too late. The disciples said, when is your coming? No man knows except the Father. And at that point, the Father will say to the Son, Jesus, go get your bride. Go gather your bride to yourself. And then there will be, and we'll read about this in chapters later here in Revelation, the marriage supper of the Lamb. When we together as believers the bride of Christ will be gathered around him and there will be such rejoicing in heaven that we all made it and that we're here. We will be able to recognize one another. And it won't be in these shriveled bodies that you see. It'll be a new body. And we'll have such brightness and such incredible radiance coming from us of the life of the Lamb that he gave us eternal life. And we will recognize one another. I do not know how. Surely not by our names, but we'll be given new names. The life of Jesus in us will be so unique. That's how we'll recognize one another, each one of us. We're not gonna be cookie cutter production line Christians or followers of Jesus Christ. Each of us will have that unique mark or that uniqueness about us. Can you imagine that? It's great. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Yeah, go ahead and fix up your house, 
you know, make it as clean and pleasant as possible. But don't think that that is an eternal investment. Give it up. Look for that which is eternal to place your focus and attention and energy on. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. That's what we're looking for. That's our hope. That is our desire. These things are temporary. Yes, please come in May and clean the church, but this is not an eternal habitation for us, okay? We won't always be meeting here. Well, then what am I giving my money for? For the kingdom, which is eternal. That's what we're here for. That's our real purpose, is so that people would have a place to gather and worship here. And then the last point, the seventh bowl, and the statement is quite astounding here as well. It is done. In verse 17, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. It is done. It's finished. It is complete. Where do we hear that statement? On the cross. Jesus, it is finished. It's the same word. It's done. It's finished. Our salvation is secure. Our hope is secure. That is our hope as believers. Praise the Lord. It is done. Then the last verses. There were flashes of lightning, peals of thunder, and there was a great earthquake, so mighty, the great city split into three parts. Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce, righteous wrath. Talks about this earthquake as there's never been a great earthquake like the one described here. I remember the Hanshin earthquake. How many remember Kobe? I was headed back to the United States and got to the airport at Narita and uh, everybody was looking at these TV screens and I thought, what is going on? And there was fire and all of this. I didn't know that an earthquake had happened. And we call that the Great Hanshin Earthquake. And then we were in the United States years later when the Tohoku earthquake happened. And not just an earthquake, but a tidal wave. And not just a tidal wave, but a nuclear power plant exploded. So we know about that here in Japan. We know this stuff of earthquakes. We of all nations, well, there have been earthquakes and tsunamis and those kind of things around the world, and they are increasing. In fact, they say that the whole Pacific Rim is one huge disaster waiting to happen. And that includes Japan. And I think probably New Zealand or parts of Australia, certainly Alaska, California, and Washington State. 
this is a very insecure world we're living in now we're not trying to scare you in fact what we're trying to do is bring peace to your heart by the fact that your trust in Jesus Christ is secure he's the one that is in charge of all of this and in relationship with him we have secure peace knowing that whatever happens it is well with my soul. It is our hope. Last week, we wanted to close with this. The song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. We didn't have enough time, and we're just running out of time now. But great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. These are statements out of the Old Testament, but they are pictures of where we are now. And I think and I believe that most of us here will see and understand and experience what we're talking about. I may not, but most of you will. That's not a joke. That may be, I may pass away before you, but I have released myself of the burden of warning you, of encouraging you, of blessing you with the Word of God and the assurance and the knowledge and understanding of what is ahead of us as humanity on this earth. Deuteronomy 32, 3 and 4 says, For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe or give or pronounce greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Look at that this week. And then Psalm 86, 9 and 10. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord. And they shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Look at those scriptures this week. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the gospel of the revelation of Jesus Christ. We thank you that this is truth and this is life and that you have provided for us an escape. We thank you that you have not left us ignorant and foolish and going our own way, but you have given us warning and comfort. You have given us a sense of caution and carefulness so that we would be able to encourage others, so that we would be able to look beyond what we read in the newspapers or see it on TV or the internet. These are the days of the Lamb of God. 
and have mercy on those who yet have not given their lives over to you. May we be evangelists, speaking of the good news that whoever believes in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, will have eternal life. Thank you for salvation and the assurance we have today of where we are and where our families can rest and be assured of tomorrow. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen.